everyone. Welcome to HubShot's episode 128. We talk about HubSpot live chat problems, solutions, and integrations. You're listening to APAC's number one HubSpot-focused podcast, where we discuss HubSpot tips, tricks, new features, and strategies for growing your marketing results. We hope you enjoy the podcast as much as HubSpot CEO Brian Hallingan does. Thanks for creating this podcast. It's awesome. I listen to it on the weekends and I really enjoy it. With me today is my co-host Craig Bailey from Zen Systems. How are you? Really well. It's been a good week, long week, but Friday night and uh, looking forward to the weekend. Now, how's your week been? Just quickly, you've, you're back from Hawaii. You've had a bit of a holiday. Refreshed. Correct. You're looking very healthy and refreshed at the moment. I have. I've got a tan. <laughs> nice. So anyway, on to the inbound thought of the week, Craig. And I thought I'd highlight this. This is uh, three key takeaways from the new digital content ratings report. Now, this was taken from a Nielsen digital content ratings report. And it was from back in March. And I want to talk about some interesting things. We've seen here, we have 15.5 million Aussie adults spend an average of 21 hours on YouTube, right? So this is for the month of March, which I thought was rather interesting. And I thought, and then split up these in terms of age categories, what the average was. So in the 18 to 39, it was 27 hours, 25 to 54 was 21 hours, and 55 plus was 12 hours and 57 minutes. And the split between male and female was pretty even. And the next thing was that 70% of the actual watching occurred on smartphones or tablets. And that kind of surprised me, but also didn't. So I think one of the interesting things is like, what did you find about the average time people spend on Facebook watching videos? Yeah, well, it's interesting to compare these times because if we took that lower age group, the 18 to 39, 27 hours a month on YouTube, that worked out about an hour on YouTube. We uh, found other stats from Statista and uh, eMarketer about uh, Facebook and across the, the spectrum they're spending, people spend an average of 41 minutes a day on Facebook. But then across all social channels, 135 minutes. So maybe you're on Facebook plus Twitter plus a bit of Instagram and things like that. It didn't seem that that social channels included YouTube, whereas yeah, I think that was a bit of an unknown they didn't really dig into. But YouTube, you could say that's a social channel. I would have thought it is. And then other people have quite rightly say, well, YouTube's a search engine, you know, in some ways. So, But across that, a fair few minutes of attention, YouTube is part of it. Also, uh, another link we found on Facebook just talking about the shift in, it's not just video, it's all the push into AR and VR, augmented reality and virtual reality and those pieces as well. So there's this real fight for attention. YouTube's a key part of it, but there's a whole bunch of channels there. And and I guess the takeaway you and I were chatting about earlier is, well, with all of these channels fighting for attention, which one do you choose? And I guess it comes down to working out where your audience spends its time. That's right. Now, Craig, in one of these reports we were talking about, this is actually from Facebook. We had a buzzword of the week that we found out. What what was that, Craig? Fluid realities. And this is in section four of that report from Facebook. Yeah, we've, got a link, we've got a link for it. It's a great term, fluid realities. Actually, we should try optimizing for that. Hey, put that into the HubSpot content strategy tool. We'll get on to that. <laughs> fluid realities, yeah, which, by the way, uh, listeners, just means moving between those mediums, AR, VR, and real life. And, yeah, it's becoming a seamless experience. Yeah, and I think people are less and less seeing that things are separated. I think, especially when I look at my children, I find that to them, 
it's kind of all one. I just go to access these things on whatever's convenient at the time, be it an iPad or a TV or my iPod. It's just very interesting to watch their behavior. All right, on to Hubspot Marketing Feature of the Week, Craig. We're going to talk about conversations and conversations are part of Sales Hub and Service Hub. So if you have Sales Hub, you will also have this. So just be aware of that. I think what we want to talk about is the speed improvement, isn't it? They've really boosted this since we, I mean, it was only a couple of weeks ago we had a whole show about Service Hub. Conversations was part of it. And during that, we were saying, look, it's a little bit slow, the HubSpot experience responding to a chat. You know, conversations is kind of the inbox that pulls in email support responses as well as chatbots. And in future, Facebook Messenger will be in there. But it was like saying it's connected to Slack and it's actually a quicker experience on Slack. That was actually our feedback on that show. We can say now, just in the matter of a couple of weeks, HubSpot have really overhauled this and it is singing now. Like it's so fast. They've And, and they've fixed a lot of the little niggling things there. There was a problem associating some chats with existing clients. And I remember I had HubSpot support tickets on that. That's all fixed. It's all working beautifully. It's very slick now. So yeah, big improvement just in the space of a few weeks. So I think the key takeaway from this, Craig, is investigate whether conversations is a fit for your business. And check out a shop for later on where we'll share some thoughts about what the good fits are and how it fits into businesses. Now, there's a bonus here, Craig. Uh, yeah, just to note that HubSpot, part of their GDPR rollout was having that cookie acceptance dialogue that pops up. Well, now, not only are you saying, yeah, I'll accept cookies, but if you insert Facebook Pixel or AdWords Pixel via the HubSpot ads add-on, that'll now get rolled into the GDPR cookie acceptance as well. So it's taking care of that that whole notification to accept cookies piece. It's very nice. Excellent. On to our HubSpot gotcha of the week, Craig. And this is to do with the HubSpot ads add-on beta. Yeah, and speaking of the ads add-on, after just talking about that cookie feature being a nice bonus, the HubSpot ads add-on beta is now supporting multiple ad accounts. I know people have been after this for a long time. Uh, So the scenario would be you've got an account and you want to link multiple Facebook ad accounts to it. A typical example, you might be an enterprise portal and you have three different Facebook ad accounts pointing to three different sites that you manage in your portal. Previously, you could only have one Facebook ad account. Let's say now with this beta, they're giving you multiple accounts and therefore multiple pixels you might be wanting to insert on your site well my little gotcha is that you can only add one pixel so even though they're supporting multiple ad accounts you can actually only insert one pixel via your portal so if you've got three different sites and you wanted to have three different pixels on there you couldn't do that so a little bit of a gotcha all right on to our marketing tip of the week craig and this is a, we're going to talk about live chat opportunities here and this is from a piece of research on hubspot by John Dick. Now, it's a pretty good piece of content, I have to admit. And it highlights some pretty key things, doesn't it? It's really good. And so John Dick, he was, actually, he was out here earlier in the year. He's the VP of marketing yes. at HubSpot. He was out growth HubSpot in Melbourne, I think. I didn't speak then. He was very good. But this research covers how consumers want to communicate with brands or with their companies. And What I think he does a good job is breaking down, well, not only is it different channels, email, website, video, et cetera, but different parts of the journey. So there might be marketing, but then there's sales and then there's customer service. 
And his point, one of the key takeaways from this whole report is that as businesses, we can get too caught up on, oh, what's the channel? We've got to put chat on the site. Oh, we've got to support Facebook Messenger. But we don't think about, well, at what part of the engagement do we want to do it? And then what can happen is that something like chat just gets put on by uh, the marketing team with little consultation with the sales team. And what actually might be the case is that people interacting with you, they actually want to use chat at the sales piece and they might want to use it at the customer service piece. But marketing has just put it there for the marketing piece. And so there's this disconnect. And so what he's pointing out is that don't think of these different areas and different channels. Actually think about the whole customer interaction across all of those pieces and work out the best channels that work for you. Just sticking on live chat for one piece of it might actually be creating more of a a problem than it's solving. Within that research, there was a really interesting slide actually that uh, consumers want to communicate with companies through 13 different channels. And these channels are website, video, email, blog, Facebook Messenger, Twitter, live chat, downloading content and other, right? Yeah, plus a few others. There's actually, yeah. But yeah, yeah so there are this moments. Could, this could be even Slack. Actually, right. that was one of the responses, yeah. It was. And, and what I liked about this, it was a split into the three different parts, which is marketing, sales and customer service. Almost two-thirds of buyers expected a response within 10 minutes to anything in marketing, sales or customer service inquiries. Yeah, we're demanding now. I think that's the norm. Yeah. And another key takeaway was employees spend 10% of their time reconciling disconnected systems to ensure they're answering the buyer inquiries correctly. This is interesting. When we talk about the importance of using the right systems in a business and how this can save time because you can often look over a business and say, I don't want to spend that. I think that's too expensive. I'll use these three other systems because it's cheaper, but then you very quickly realize that all the man hours that are spent reconciling things between systems, choose away at those savings in the long run. Yeah, I'll just finish with a comment that he was saying, kind of summing it up, is that he was comparing Netflix and Spotify and Uber, and he was saying none of them really differentiated or disrupted because it was a new product or service. Instead, they offered the same thing, but just in a simpler way. And so it's the go-to-market that it's not necessarily the product, it's the go-to-market. And if you make that simpler and less friction, then you'll come out on top. And so that's where all these channels come together. If chat is just one of those mediums that actually reduces friction rather than, oh, just something annoying that pops up, it can actually work for your benefit or it can work against you. So you've got to get that right. Now, I do want to highlight, since we're talking about live chat messages and so on, in this research what was really key like you were talking about before is that you would think let's use live chat more in marketing than in any other way what it actually revealed that more people actually wanted to use live chat in customer service and in sales than they did in the marketing side yeah which was fascinating it's, it's really interesting research like i'll pull out a few there's a few others like twitter as a channel people want to use twitter for marketing and this is consumers wanting to work with a brand, not the company trying to work to consumers, but they're interested in Twitter for marketing and for customer service, but they're not interested in it for sales when they're at the sales journeys stage. And that kind of makes sense. We can kind of relate to that, right? 
And phone. People don't want to use the phone in the marketing stage, but of course when it comes to sales, that's when they want to get on the phone. And customer service, definitely. So these different channels at different stages, I think it's a really useful breakdown that he's put here. Well, well worth reading. Highly recommended. Great research for, for listeners. Excellent. On to our HubSpot sales feature that we crank. We're going to talk about conversations inbox, aren't we? Yeah, speaking of it, why it's, it's got to be the feature of the week. Correct. And I think the takeaway from here is um, test and see if the channel that you could be using this on will work for your customers or your visitors. I do want to highlight there was one hosting company we both use called WP Engine, and they have impeccable service because they're live chat, especially when your customer, I don't think we've ever raised a ticket of any sort. There is always live chat with experienced people on there and things get resolved quickly. So in that perspective, I think kudos to them, the way they've implemented that and the way they use it within their team. Yeah, uh, plus one to that from me. I think WP Engine are the gold standard in customer service, in my opinion. Um, very closely followed by HubSpot in my because uh, I think the HubSpot support, especially when they got the chat online. Yes. Uh, and also they call you back on the phone. You put in your phone number and then a minute or two later, bring, bring, hi, HubSpot support. How can I help? It's like that's a pretty impressive experience, yeah. It is. And I think this is what's interesting is that you will see we all deal on – with businesses on different channels. And there are times when I do want to get a call and there's times when I might have people around me and I just want to have a chat (laughs) through the chat uh, without disturbing anyone. So I think that's really important how we give people those options. All right, on to our opinion of the week, Craig. Should you use bought lists? And this really stemmed from uh, a meeting you had this week, wasn't it? Or last week? Yes. And... If your immediate response, should you use bought lists, was to scream, no, of course you shouldn't, then here's my opinion. Um, Maybe it'll change your mind on some things. So the takeaway from this that I'm going to get to is that context is important. So most blog posts you read where they say, oh, should you use bought lists? I'll say, no, it's a terrible idea, bad for deliverability, people get a bad experience, et cetera, et cetera. And of course, if that's the case then you shouldn't use them. And the second factor is, do you have permission to send to them anyway? And of course, if you don't have permission, then of course you shouldn't send to them. Now, it's a bit, it's not really a secret, but many companies still use bought lists. It's pretty common practice. We're all aware it goes on. The question though is, is it ever actually okay to do it? And I'm going to suggest there are situations where it is. And so this is the one that came up last week. I'll give you the scenario. They're in the healthcare sector and the communications director, he's going to speak at a healthcare symposium. And like, there's basically people there that are there to hear what he's going to talk about. And his actual newsletter speaks more to this. It's uh, in the health sector, um, very broad audience. And the question, uh, these people that are going to this symposium or conference, they will sign up and like many conferences do, if you've ever been to a trade show recently, I know when we used to go to CBIT and stuff like that, one of the registration options would be a tick box that says, ah, yes, I agree, you can send me email marketing, and it was optional. And then there was another one, which is, I agree that my contact details can be shared with vendors and they can contact me with marketing. Now, I always used to tick that on because one of the reasons I was going to CBIT was to investigate technology. This was in a previous life uh, when I was a CTO at a company. And I actually wanted to get all the follow-ups from people that we were looking at tools and software tools and stuff like that. And so in that case, permission, I've explicitly given permission to contact me. 
and it's relevant. So for them to follow him up was relevant. So back to my scenario where I was in with this meeting with him, he's going along and he has the opportunity to buy all the contact details of the people at this symposium that he's speaking at and then market to them afterwards. And so the question is, is that is that okay? On the two areas, one, permission, yep, that's covered, and two, relevance, yeah, I think there's a high relevance. And so my comment there was actually it's probably okay to use bought lists in this scenario because it would be a good match and a good user experience for the people that receive it. However, a few extra tips would be when you do contact them, that first email is a very quick introduction about who you are and why you're contacting them. Hi, we met at the symposium. You would have seen me speak. Here's some follow-up details. If you don't want to hear any more of this, of course, unsubscribe. So it's very, it's not, you know, oh, confusing. Who is this? You've explained it. And also the other thing is the, the newsletter that you send them would explain, here's the value you'll get from receiving my newsletter. When it's positioned like that, I'm like, how could you object to that? You know, I still think it, I think it's okay. I don't think it's a bad experience. I don't know. What's your opinion? This is, by the way, this is opinion of the week. This is not marketing advice. This is opinion of the week for that reason. Craig, I think tend to agree in if I had your scenario, I would tend to agree with that because I've had similar scenarios to that where we've had the ability to do that. And I think that's perfectly fine. Where I wouldn't be doing it is in all the other spammy ways where you literally have no connection with these people and you basically buy the lists and you start sending emails to them out of nowhere. So I think, look, I think context is everything in this. Yeah. Okay. So we kind of agree. So should you use it next time you're in a meeting and someone says, oh, should we use bought lists? You just, I think you can just say, well, one, do we have permission and, and confirmed permission? And two, is it going to be relevant and add value? Exactly. If you can say yes to both of those, then consider it. On to shot seven, Craig, our podcast of the week. And this is the Hubcast, episode 183. And we want to highlight it because there's some lots of great content in there, isn't it? Yeah. Have you been listening to the, the Hubcast lately, Ian? I haven't listened to this episode, but I have been listening to it while Karina's been on there and I've actually enjoyed it. Right. Okay. Well, that's good. Well, I haven't been listening lately. And in fact, I haven't been listening to podcasts much in the last month or two. I'm a bit behind, but I'm getting back into it. So I'd, I'd missed out on the Hubcast for a while. And I just wanted to say I really enjoyed it. I really like Karina too. She's a bit of a geeky HubSpot nerd and I, I well, that's what I like. Yeah. That's right. So, I mean, lots of great things usually in the Hubcast. And I think they talk about landing pages, videos, and deduplicating contacts. So. Yeah, Marcus has a good bit around videos, just a reminder of use of videos on landing pages and thank you pages. And actually, he made the point, he puts um, videos on contact us pages next to any form he'll put it to, next to, explaining what the form's for. And he reckons the conversion rate goes up. So great little takeaway from that episode. There you go. Check out the rest of it. That's an excellent takeaway, Craig. I'm going to go try that out. (laughs) All right. Resource of the week, Craig. And this is from Content King Academy. And this is a useful overview of SEO topics. So the key takeaway from this is learn the key SEO items like page titles, meta descriptions, canonical URLs, which we've spoken about before, and hreflangs. And just understand, now, if you're using HubSpot, obviously this a lot of these things get flagged or you get taken through a process to make sure that they're done in the optimization part of the landing pages or website pages or blog posts. So just understand that. 
understand the importance of all of that. Now, you know, over time, meta descriptions have uh, become longer. So, you know, if you haven't looked at your meta descriptions recently, I'd actually say go back, have a look and see whether you can improve them because you have that opportunity in the search results to actually show a longer meta description. Yeah, it's a great resource. So if you're a marketing manager listening to this and you're like, oh, what, what are canonical URLs? What's hreflang? This is my go-to. This is what I point people to now because um, these come up. So you don't have to feel silly anymore. You can just go and check out the content. <laughs> King Academy on topics. Great resource. All right, on to our quote of the week, Craig. And this is from Akio Toyota, the president of Toyota Motor Corporation. And he says, for much of Toyota's history, we have ensured the quality and reliability of our vehicles by placing a device called an Andon cord on every production line and empowering any team member to halt the production line if there's an assembly problem. Only when the problem is resolved does the line begin to move again. Now, I'm just going to tell you, an Andon cord is something that used to be used on the production line and now they're replaced by wireless buttons as the production process improved. But what I want to say here is that the key takeaway from this is empower the people in your business to stop and fix process problems that may not be working well and empower them to do that. Don't make them feel bad that they've had to stop and fix something for the greater good of everybody else. All right, Craig, we've got quite a few bonus links, don't we, this week? Yep, chock a block. Lots of stats there. That's right. And this is mainly to do with all the things we've talked about of Facebook from Statistica. And there's a really great blog post on WordStream as well about Facebook statistics. Now, we'd love if you could take a screenshot of this episode that you've been listening to and share with everybody on social one thing that you've learned, which will really help us understand what you guys love, what you don't like and how we can make it better. So, Craig, until next time. Catch you later, Ian. Thank you for listening to this episode of HubShots. For show notes, resources, HubSpot news, including practical strategies you can implement, visit us at hubshots.com.